Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. We uh, agree with it. Father, we also thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that are listening in. We thank you, Father, for unclogging our ears, opening up our eyes, that we may be able to hear and see the marvelous Word of God, that we may be translated out of darkness into your kingdom, that we may know you, and as your Word says, those that do know their God will do exploits. I thank you for thinking through my mind and speaking through my lips, words that will edify, exhort, comfort, and provoke change in the lives of each and every person here. And I thank you, Father, there's no distance between your word and your people. And you sent your word and you healed us and delivered us from all destruction. I thank you and praise you, Father, for the grace of God, the anointing of God that abides on me this morning to minister your word accurately and effectively in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, well, let's get going. So let's see here. This morning, I want to talk to you something uh, that just kind of rose up in my spirit, and we're going to call this before and after, before and after. Um, yesterday afternoon or yesterday morning, uh, my son, my youngest son, uh, came in, and, and the night before, he said, Dad, will you give me a haircut? And, uh, man, I've been wanting to do that for a little while now. Uh, and so his hair is just, you know... It, you know, the cuts that, that, that the guys have today, I, I don't quite understand it, but they seem to enjoy them. And so he said, uh, Dad, will you give me a haircut? So I said, uh, yeah, I'll give you a haircut. So I got all my, my hair cutting tools out, my trimmers and my, my shavers and all that kind of good stuff. And, um, and, I, and I started working on his hair. And, and, and uh, so we're, we're, we, I took a picture of him before and a picture of him after. And I... You know, I mean, I did the best cut, but any cut would have been good. And, uh, and so he looked like a new man afterwards. And actually, I had to take it down just a tad bit lower. I don't know if it was a, 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 a just an a unconscious slip or what, but my finger hit the, the, the blade. It made it go lower, and that just took it down. So I just, you know how it is. You cut a little dash, you got to take it on down. So, so I did that. But I say all that to say this. If you look at him before and you look at him after, it's like two different individuals. I mean, you can actually see his eyes. You can see the shape of his head. You can see him. He just, I think he just looks a lot better. And um, so uh, he didn't like it initially. I think it's growing on him. It has to. He's been asking his mom, when's it going to grow back? And I said, uh, it'll grow back. <laughs> but anyway, it was a before and an after. And uh, so today I want to talk to us about before and after. Uh, before the crucifixion and then after the crucifixion. Um, and we're going to use a particular profile of an individual that you guys will know as soon as I say his name. But we see this particular individual one way before and then another way afterwards. And I truly believe that every person who truly comes to Jesus Christ and receives what took place in our lives by the, his um, uh, crucifixion and his resurrection, and the two go together. You, you can't have a successful anything unless both of them are there. In other words, 
if you have a crucifixion and no resurrection, um, it's all for naught. And, and if he just left here, uh, according to the rules that God has set as far as a sacrifice needed for our sins, if he just left here and did not die uh, and was not crucified and his blood being the unblemished lamb uh, portraying that which was in the Old Testament, uh, that the, 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 the unspotted lamb would take away the sins temporarily, but the, 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 the lamb of God would permanently uh, take away our sins and make us right with God. So if those two things didn't happen, the crucifixion uh, and the resurrection, then we wouldn't be standing here with the gospel today. And it's because of the crucifixion and it's because of the resurrection that we reign in life through Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to understand that sometimes, uh, sometimes people, uh, and there's no, I don't have a problem with it, I understand where it's coming from, they wear a cross around their neck uh, representing the crucifixion, I would think, uh, and that's good. But you know what? We need to at least wear a crown, whether it be invisible or around our neck, representing that we also reign in life because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers, and he made an open show of them. He defeated them because he was raised from the dead. The enemy thought they actually had him down. They thought they had him for the count, but yet on the third day, he rose up. He came up out of the grave. And so understanding that, that it is about the death. It is about what took place in between as well. And it is about the resurrection. You know, when, when Jesus died, that was part of it. And I'm sure the enemy was like, yep, we got him. This is it. Rule the world for the rest of our days now because we took him out. But when he went down, he went down with, with just lay there, he, he spoiled principalities. He made a public show of them. In other words, he defeated them, walked them through the town of, in the spirit realm, and, and publicly disgraced them as though one who had just uh, won a battle, and he took the enemy and he paraded them and said, you are now defeated. You are defeated. And when he raised him up from the grave, we were all raised up with him in Christ Jesus. The Bible calls him the firstborn of many brethren. That means he was the first out of the grave. He was the first to come alive to be resurrected. Um, uh, but there will be many other brethren that will come out as well. You see, when we, when we die, when we are, the Bible says that before Christ, we've already, we were already dead in trespasses and in sin. And it says, but when we receive Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we are now passed from death into life. That we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of death into God's dear son. We were actually, before this, we were already dead. There was no life in us to begin with. But when Jesus came in, he says we're the firstborn, the firstborn. That's why the Bible says we must be born again. We are following the lead of our, of our big brother Jesus. He was the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn. He was the first resurrected from the dead, and we followed him in the same spirit. We're just like him. We've been made out of incorruptible seed. So I want to look at an individual here uh, before and after. And I believe in the, midst of, in the midst of this, you'll see your own self in here and see our own life in here because I think all of us have followed these same steps. So this person, if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 18, 
and verse 15. John chapter 18 and verse 15 out of the New King James Version. And it says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Now this is talking about John here. He says, But Peter stood at that door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, in other words, he had an opportunity. He heard the question. He said, You're not also one of his disciples, are you? That's enough time to think about the question and then respond. And he said, he said, I am not. Okay, so that may not have been premeditated, but it was close to it. He had enough time to think about it. But he said, he responded, I am not. Now remember, Peter spent three and a half years with Jesus. Was one of the first disciples to ever be called. Now think about this just a minute. Let's say that you were raised up with a person uh, that you consider your best friend, and y'all were growing up together, and and uh, this person gets into trouble, and and when the time comes for you to support that person, you say, "I don't even know him. I I I've never seen him before. Where did he come from? To save your own neck, to save my own neck. Well, that's what Peter was doing." He was denying Jesus. He was denying the one who he saw feed 5,000 people. He was the one who he denied that was walking, literally walking on water. What man have you ever seen walk on water? He he was the one that he saw uh, turn water into wine. He was the one who he saw heal lepers, called blind eyes to see. And yet, when the crunch time came, he denied him. He told him, I don't, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know where this guy came from. Where did he come from? That's before, right? So here we go. We look at it a little further. Now, the servants of the officers who made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to to the world. I always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews always always meet. And 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 I have said nothing in secret. Uh, Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, I have spoken evil. I bear witness of the evil. But if, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, Simon Peter, this is a little bit of time, right? You know, by this time, you'd think he would have repented. Like, man, I messed up. I, I, sh- I, I, know, I know Jesus. I've, I've been with him every day for the past three and a half years. 
I know I'm, I'm part of the I'm I'm part of Peter, James, and John. I'm I'm part of this. I'm I'm in there. But listen to what Peter does. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, "You are not also one of his disciples, are you?" Again, given some time, he could he could have he could have repented. He could have he could have thought about it and said, "The, the next time I'm not going to deny him." The next time I'm going to do better. How many of you have done the same thing? How many of you said, no, oh, next time. I, I messed up this time, but the next time. The next time I'm going to get it right. The next time I'm going to do it. God, God, I ask your forgiveness. I shouldn't have done it. I should not have said it. The next time. The ne- in, in other words, he, he wanted to. He, he willed to. But this is what he said. I am not. I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, didn't I I see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. In other words, Jesus already told him. Now, this is so wonderful, because listen, Jesus already told him he was going to deny him three times. And and he did. And, and, And I'm certain that he didn't want to deny him. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm certain that he willed to do right. But willing to do right and the power to do right are two very different things. And understand that. Many times I've willed to do right. Many times I wanted to do right. Even Paul said, the things which I don't want to do are the things that I do. The things that I want to do, that's the thing that I don't want to do. But he had a remedy to it. And Peter also had a remedy to his human failure. Many of us as humans, you out there even, uh, you've wanted to do right. You've wanted to serve God. You've wanted to live right. You've wanted to not do certain things. You wanted to stop certain things. You wanted to keep from certain people. But to want to and the ability to or the power to are two very different things. But when we look at the life of Peter, we realize that he changed. I've been listening to this song that I used to listen to as a kid. Uh, Matter of fact, on my way here this morning, I was listening to it. Change. A wonderful change has come all over me. Change. A wonderful change has come all over me. And, And I think that would be the message for many of us, even prior to coming to Christ, many of us, you know, God puts it in our hearts to know what is right and what is wrong, don't we? I mean, even when we were doing wrong, we knew what was right. We just couldn't do it. It was an inability to do it. We, we, couldn't, we just could not do it. And neither could Peter. And you need to understand that before the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, um, all of us, before, before the resurrection, all of us were sold unto sin. Even though we wanted to do right, we just couldn't keep it. That's why the Bible says the law is a schoolmaster pointing to Jesus. It's telling us that the only way you can really live the life is to be connected to Jesus and his new birth. In other words, the schoolmaster was to teach you that you can't keep the law. You can't keep the law, but there's someone greater than you, greater is he that is in you than the evil that is in the world that will allow you to live the life. 
That doesn't mean it's going to come automatically, but I want us to understand we can all identify with Peter, can we not? Can we all identify? Haven't we all denied him? Haven't we all been living in, have lived in some denial? I don't know him. How many of you grew up in church even? You know, grew up good Baptist, good Methodist, good AME, good whatever, and uh and, and, and you, you were out there, you knew in your heart about Jesus. You reverenced him. You know, even when you drove past the church, if you were a smoker, you th- put that cigarette out. Or, or you, if, you were, if you had a, 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 a six-pack of beer in your hand, you, you put it down up under the seat. Or, or you were the mother of the church, and you dare not act crazy around the mother of the church. Anyone like that? That, that, that our religious kept us for a little while, didn't it? Our religion. You know, growing up, I grew up in, and I went to church all my life, grateful for the commitment and the things that I learned in church. But it wasn't until later in my life that I was born again that I received the power of the new birth, which is connected to the resurrected life that is in Christ Jesus. And, but before that, I was, a good, I, was a, I was a good Baptist boy. I really was. I mean, I just didn't go all the way, you know. My baptism in me kept me from going all the way in some things. I'm grateful for that. But it didn't keep me from doing wrong. It didn't keep me from being like Christ and, didn't, and, and, and identifying with him. But I'm so thankful because in, in, in Peter's life, he shows us the way of escape. Listen to this. So the first part is, number one, is denial. We, we all come to Jesus Christ in a place of denial, depending on how many years we've been a, a Christian or, or, or not been a Christian. We, we've denied him. And even afterwards, there's some things that have to grow up in us so that we don't deny him further. Then after, after the resurrection, number two thing that happens to us, and this is so beautiful, is number one, reconciliation, restoration, and then commissioning. God reconciles us, then he restores us, and then he sends us out. He commissions us. Listen to this. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19. Now remember, remember this is on the backdrop of Peter denying him three times, and he knew it. Let me just say something right here. Uh, People that are close to you are going to hurt you, but don't give up on them. Your children are going to disappoint you. But don't give up on them. These three things should always be in place. How do I reconcile with that person? How do I restore that person? And how do I commission them? Let them know that there's a life that you're supposed to do. There's, there's something you are uniquely designed to do. And that's what Jesus did for Peter. Listen to this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? Now notice he says it to him three times. He says, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, I think he was matching the number of times that he denied him. That's just my take on that. I can't be dogmatic about that. But it's just, it looks like he's building a case. He's building a case, number one, 
Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? In other words, are you, are, are you affectionate towards me? And he said, yeah, you know, you know, you know, you, you know you're my guy. But I think the third time he says, Simon, son of Jonah, are you committed to me above all else? Will you follow me even unto death? You see, when death is no longer a problem, God can use you most greatly. When death is no longer an issue, when we die with Christ, when we deny ourselves, that's when we are most dangerous to the enemy. What are you going to do to a man that doesn't, doesn't fear death? That's a dangerous man. A person who doesn't fear dying, and I'm not just talking about physically dying, dying to your reputation, dying to uh, your, your um, uh, sense of worth and value, making yourself of no reputation. When, when those no longer are, are things that people can dangle before you, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can say anything. And so what Jesus was saying, he was re- restoring, reconciling, and commissioning um, Peter here. And he tells him these things. Now, now, before this happens here, Simon sees Jesus on the beach, and he tucks and, and runs, as it were, he, he, because he's still dealing with that condemnation. But Jesus so lovingly, he brings him back into himself. He says, do you love me? The third time, do you love me? Are you committed to me above all else? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I agape you, Lord. You know that I unconditionally love you. You know that I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. Say anything you want me to say. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly or certainly I say to you, Peter, restoration. When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Is that not beautiful? You know, in in the same passage of Scripture, during that restoration, you know, Jesus could have said, all the disciples, he could have brought all of them back and said, you know, everybody but Peter. Peter, I told you you were going to deny me three times. And you did. So, so I'm going to get someone else to take your place. No. When you look at Peter in the Bible, you'll find out that Peter was the man. Peter in the book of Acts, he, he led out in the book of Acts. He was the main man up until about halfway through the book of Acts. He was the, he was the book of Acts. He was the man. And then he actually wrote a couple of chapters in the Bible as well. And and, and has heralded St. Peter because of this restoration. Can you imagine this? Jesus, uh, before the disciples could get back to shore, during that time after the resurrection, Jesus Jesus, uh, had already died, burial, resurrection, but still thinking about those 12. And he finds them. And he's cooking fish for them on the side of a lake. That's called restoration. You know, many times, if you want to restore a relationship, you know, we think that it is upon the person who broke it to come back and restore it. 
No, it's the person who has been hurt, the person who has been denied to initiate. Jesus was the initiator. He's over here cooking food, chicken, grits, fish, pinto beans, cabbage, cornbread for the brothers. And he brings them along and he says, listen, guys, uh, you all are going to change the world. He didn't leave them orphans. He didn't leave them by themselves. He said, you're going to change the world. I believe in you. I believe in you. You know, many times you hear people and they're so down on the church. They always want to talk about the church should be doing this and the church should be doing that. And, and the ja-. Listen here. Listen here. We are the only agent in the earth that God is using. Are we the best? No. I mean, when I say we we are the best that God is using, but are we we perfect? By no means, by no stretch of the imagination. Was Peter perfect? By no means, by no stretch of the imagination was he. But God says, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. I want you to understand that. God believes in us. I said God believes in us. He believes in us. He believes in his body. He's not, he didn't, Je, have you seen Jesus come down here to earth in the flesh since he rose up? No. He left his spirit in us and he said, you guys are going to get the job done. You all have the great commission. If he didn't think we could do it, he wouldn't have left us down here. So anyone that wants to kind of, you know, begin to sling mud at the, at the, at the true body of Christ, the church, and I, I'm not talking about the, the peripheral. I'm not talking about those who are uncommitted. I'm not told, talking about those who are not agapeing God. You know, God told, showed me many years ago that, um, um, that there would be a, 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 um, a, a, a removal of gray and there would be black and white. And I'm not talking about uh, races here. I'm talking about distinctions of hot and cold. That at some point, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to choose a side that it's going to be uh, um, uncomfortable to be anything other than hot or cold. It's going to be uncomfortable to just do church as usual. But we are the agent. You better believe it. We, we are the agent in there. We that have denied him. We that have put him down. We that have lived our own lives for however many years. He still says, I'll take you and I'll use you for my glory's sake. That's so good to know. In other words, God takes what other people will throw away and he'll use it for the purposes of accomplishing his will. Understand that the, 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 the disciples, none of them really came out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where all of the, the Pharisees were, the, the, the elite, the affluent uh, in Jewish society. He went to Galilee where some fishermen were. They probably ranked and smelled like fish and nets and dirty job, but he used these men to change the world of which Peter was one of them. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Well, I don't mind being part of the foolish things if God is using me. Understand that. So, so he went from denial to what? Reconciliation, commissioning, and restoration. The food restored. It's like, you know, we're back in together. Food means a lot. 
Invite people to lunch. If you're trying to restore a relationship, don't wait for them. You go to them and say, you know, your mom, let's have lunch. It's hard to fight in a restaurant, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to fight over food. Now, here's the last part of it. Third part. So what is number one? We all were in denial, right? Number two, phase two, reconciliation, restoration, and commissioning. Now listen to this. I want you to see this boy. I want you to see him a little while later in the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see a new Peter here. And Peter, here he is. Here he is, Mr. Peter. He says, but Peter, verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea, And all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on those in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was preaching, y'all, in the midst of a lot of Jewish people who didn't like the gospel. But this man is now preaching with fervor, with spirit, with passion, with fearlessness. He's preaching. Why? Because now he's on the other side. He's in the resurrected life. He's now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The greater one now lives on the inside of him. The anointing of God is on him. Now he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so you and I too must take this as an example. That if we don't have that same level of boldness and we are born again, we need to tap into it. It's there. That boldness is there. That boldness to go to the marketplaces, to go on your, on your, uh, to your loved ones and friends and families, to call up people and to speak, thus saith the Lord. Now notice what happens this day as, as uh, Peter is commissioned to do this wonderful work. The latter part of it says, uh, The latter part, and I don't know what the scripture is because I don't have a breakdown of the scripture. It says, but therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Then those who were gladly, who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. You know, he wasn't mamby-pambying about this thing. You know, many times as believers, Christians, I've heard people say this, you know, uh, it's just my own personal relationship. It is that, but your personal relationship must be demonstrated in love for others, a commitment to others, a releasing of your faith to others, a sharing of that good news with others. You know, if you really have something good, then you tell someone about it. I, I hear about good movies, good shows, good food, good restaurants all the time. People willingly just tell you, hey, man, that's a good restaurant. You need to go check out that restaurant. Or, man, that, that was a great movie. You need to go look at this movie. And I always get, you know, you know whether it be uh, uh, text messages, emails on things that people consider good. And I appreciate them. I really do. But when something is good... When you are, uh, are convinced of something, you can't help but share it with others. You, you just can't. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when someone tells me, oh, you know, it's, I don't want to, you know, I, that's just not who I am. <laughs> I beg to differ. If you are a believer, that is exactly who you are. You are, you have, really, you have no other purpose for staying down here other than to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about, you know, yelling at people and screaming at people and working hard at it. I'm just talking about just being a born-again new creation in Christ and living your life. People will see the fruits. They'll see it and they will want to know about it and then you share it with them. That's what we're talking about. The last thing that, that Peter shows that he was a different person, uh, we see him in Acts chapter 3. And it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John, about to go into the temple, ask for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter said, look unto us. That's a so very different Peter than the one we saw in John chapter 18. One who denied him three times. One who, and every opportunity to change and turn around, he did not. But God did a wonderful work in restoring, reconciling, and commissioning him to go out. So I want to say these last few words to us today. Everyone, 
Everyone starts out where Peter started out, in a place of denial, a place of resisting the Spirit of God, a place of even shame uh, about the things of God. But you don't have to stay there, and God is not mad at you. He wants to restore you. And what you'll find out with Jesus will extend his hand, he'll offer the table to you and say, come, eat with me, sup with me. I want to restore you back to what you're really supposed to be. And I want you to know that you're all right with me. You reconcile. You don't have to walk with your head down anymore. You don't have to walk condemned, feeling bad about yourself. You don't have to run from me as Peter did because I'm cooking you a meal. Come and eat with me. And then lastly, he's going to say to you, now go and tell other people what I've done for you. He's commissioning us to go and tell others what he has done for us. Mark 11, Mark, excuse me, Mark 18 says uh, that those who believe, he's given us a commission. He says to that they are, uh, the believers shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. If they shall eat any deadly thing, they, that, they will, um, that they will recover. Uh, it, it tells us that God has commissioned us to do the work. Last words that Jesus told us before he left this earth is go and make disciples of men. And it's only until we truly appropriate what Christ has done for us through his shed blood and his broken body and his resurrection. Jesus is alive today. We celebrate that. We, 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 we revelate on that, that he's alive, and he's alive down on the inside of us. And he's no more alive to the world today than he is alive to us in this room to us that are watching us by, by way of this video. He's no more alive. Jesus is limited by us. He is no more alive than when we take what he's done for us and give it to others. So I want to pray for you this morning. I hope you've gotten something out of this. This is why we celebrate the resurrection, because I was lost, but now I'm found. I was and uh, just a, a, a terrible person relative to, you know, just falling, falling short. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who's brought me out of darkness and has put me into a new light and given me a purpose in life. You know, and my purpose is not making more money or purpose is not buying new things or getting a better job, but it's is serving the King of Kings. He's made my life significant. And he can make your life significant as well. I don't care how many times you've denied him. I don't care what you've done in your past. Uh, God wants to invite you to the table. Jesus wants you to come. And he wants to restore you and, and reconcile with you and, and commission you to do his work. I hope you're out there listening. I trust the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. And the world needs all of us right now as believers. It needs us to be who God has made us. They need to hear from us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for being here in our midst this morning. We thank you for the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. Thank you for ministering to us, teaching us, guiding us. Thank you for giving us a before and an after. We thank you for the things that took place in between that has made us who we are today. That you still invited us though we've done some of the most dreadful things in our lives that were against you, you didn't stop calling us. You initiated contact with us. I pray for those people out there right now who may be wondering, where do I stand with God? 
maybe walking in condemnation and shame and, and guilt and just don't feel real good about themselves and how could I possibly be used by God? Well, I want you to know that, that all you have to do is receive from him. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. He wants to, he is inviting you to the table. So if you want to pray this prayer with me this morning, say these words. God in heaven, your word tells me that if I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that you raised him from the dead, that he died, was buried, and that you resurrected him and raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved, that I can turn in my life, repent, turn around, look in another, look in another direction, look unto Jesus, and I shall be saved. Jesus, I receive you today. On Resurrection Day, I receive you into my life. Come into my life today and be Lord, be the master over everything that I do and everything that I say. I want to be used by you for the rest of my days. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, please contact us. Let us know that you've prayed. We want to send you a gift to let you know that we care for you and love you and with some information to help you grow in your, your faith. You can send, uh, um, you can contact us by way of Facebook or you can actually call us uh, or call us or um, send us uh, information uh, via email or, or um, by phone. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.